I'm so glad you're joining us, whether you're here in person or you're watching online. We know we have a lot of people watching online today. We're glad technology is where you can share and watch and take a part of this service. If you're ever in our area, though, we invite you to be our guest. We'd love to have you here in person. It's one thing to experience it online. It's another thing to experience it in person. And we'd love to have you be our guest. We're continuing our series today called The Promises of God. How many know God's promises are yes and amen? God's promises, all of God's promises are yes and amen. That means in my life, I can hold true that God is going to continue to move in my life. One of the promises that we have is the promise of grace in our life. God is full of grace and mercy. You know, when you have preschoolers, they're usually one of two types of preschoolers. They're either runners or they're hiders. You take them to the store, they're like, put them down, they're boom, they're running off, or they're running and hiding. When I was young, my mom said I did both. I was a runner and a hider. I couldn't wait to run away. Soon as she would turn her back for one second, I was gone. And then I wouldn't just run away, I'd run away and hide as well. There was many times they would have to close down the store and have all the employees go around looking for me and only to find me in the bottom, some shelf with the door closed. And they open up the door. I'm like, surprise, you know, you found me. Or you'd be shopping in the store and you'd have a circle rack and, you know, and you'd be scooting things back and all of a sudden you see some kids staring at you from the middle of the rack. That was me as a kid. I was a hider and a runner. You know, if we're not careful, I really think a lot of us today become runners and become hiders. We think we can run from God. We can run from his will. We can run from his call on our life. We can run from God feeling like we've blown it. Or we can hide from God out of shame. We think we've, we've blown it too much. We think we've made too many mistakes in our life. And so we try to run and hide from God. But how many know you can never outrun God? I am thankful today. I am living proof that you can never outrun God. I spent a lot of time running in my life. I spent a lot of time thinking I was hiding from God in my life, only to know that God was right there with me every step of my journey. The good news about the gospel is we will not only receive what we deserve, we will get better than what we deserve. That's the good news of the gospel. I don't just get the bad that I sow or the good that I sow. I get even better things. That's the good news of the gospel. I don't deserve the grace of the Lord, but the good news is I get it anyway. I don't deserve for God to be good to me, but the good news is he is so much better to me than I could ever deserve. That's the good news. It's God's grace that overwhelms us. The good news is that your life is not only what you make of it, but what God is making of you. That's great news today because you're like, I can only do so much, but God can do so much more than we could ever dream or imagine. We can hold strong to the promises of God because God is full of grace. God is full of grace because when we look at the promises, we're like, I don't deserve those promises. I didn't do anything to earn those promises. You're right, me either. But that's the good news of the grace of God. Our God is full of grace, and he wants to bless you. He wants to use you, and he's not done with you yet. God's grace doesn't just rescue us from our past, but God's grace rescues us and starts us on a different path. 
It doesn't just rescue me from the path I've taken, but it rescues me and puts my feet down on a solid rock, and now he's leading me on a different path, a path of blessing, a path of purpose in my life, a calling that he has for me. We are given grace. Look at this. We are given grace so that we can give grace to others. This is why God gives us grace. God pours out his miraculous, overwhelming, undeserved faith in our life and grace in our life because he wants us to give it away. If you didn't know that, you know it now. God expects us to give away his grace. God expects us to give away his kindness. God expects us to give away his love. God expects us to give away his compassion. Today, I want to talk about the incredible story. It's a story about an Old Testament prophet that we hear by the name of Jonah. Now, Jonah, you hear the name Jonah, and I want us to take a mature look at this story today. And the reason why I say mature, because I can mention the word Jonah, and then automatically, I think our mind can automatically go back to this VeggieTales moment. You know, you start talking about VeggieTales or a lesson or story you heard as a kid. And if we're not careful, we can almost make this story a, a cartoon in our life and skip over the significance that God really wanted to speak to us in this story. It's not a long story. It's only about four chapters long. And it's, it's, I must tell you, it's an awesome story. It's one of the most dramatic stories you'll see in the Bible. The Bible's full of dramatic stories. So to say this is dramatic really means something because the Bible is full of dramatic stories. So Jonah was a prophet of God. God said, Jonah, I want you to go down to the city of Nineveh. And in the city of Nineveh, I want you to warn them that I am going to destroy their city. I'm going to bring my judgment upon their city. And Jonah did the right thing, right? He got on the boat and went straight to Nineveh. No, that's not the story. Instead, Jonah took the first boat going in the opposite direction of Nineveh. He was like, I am not going to that city. Now, we don't know the city of Nineveh. We know it was very a wicked place. It was a very, very dangerous place at the time. So we don't know if he was just scared that to go there. Uh, as we find out in Scripture later, I think it had more to do with that. He was actually prejudice against Nineveh. He didn't think that Nineveh needed God. He didn't care if God destroyed Nineveh. And so, for whatever reason, Jonah decided he was going to get into his boat with other people and head off in a different direction. He's like, no way, no way, no way. Ever been there? God calls you, and you're like, no way, no way, no way. I remember my life that God called me at a young age, and I was like, no way, no way, and no way. I am not doing that. All the preachers I know, all the pastors I know, they're weird. There's some good ones out there. I'm not saying that, but they were kind of weird to me. And I was like, I don't want to be weird. And so you people are weird. You're freaking me out, you know? And so I ran from God. I spent a lot of time running from God in my life. In my young adult life, I spent a lot of time running from God. But how many know I never ran from God? He was always right there. I'm not that fast. God is always there. I'm not ahead of God. I'm not behind. God's always with us. And his, his love was pursuing me. His purpose, his grace was pursuing me. His call never left me. So many of us feel like people don't deserve grace. If we're honest, we really feel like we don't deserve grace. So Jonah goes the opposite direction. While he's there on the ship, the, the Bible says that 
a big storm rose with big winds and big waves. I mean, it was very dramatic, okay? If you read this Bible, different versions use different words, but they all are like amazing or big. They're really dramatic big words to describe this big storm that came over the boat. And as the boat came, began to, they couldn't go anywhere. They're being tossed around. They think they're going to die out there. And then it says all these guys that are praying to their different gods for God to rescue them and nothing happened. And they're like, where's Jonah? He told us he was running from his God. And so he went down, he went down and he was hiding down below and they brought him up. Hey, Jonah, you told us you were running from your God. You better, you better pray to your God right now and tell him to calm this storm down. And they're like, Jonah's like, listen, guys, you're right. It's, it's my fault. I'm running from God. I'm being disobedient from God. That's why all these big storms is happening. So if you'll just throw me overboard, then everything will calm down and God will not take all this wrath on this boat. And they're like, all right, dude, you want us to throw you overboard? We don't want to do that. We don't, we don't want your blood on our hands. So they, they tried to row into shore. And the Bible says the, the winds and the waves were so great, they were making no progress. They, they couldn't get to shore. So finally they said, all right, we're going to throw you overboard. And they, they said, God, may his blood be upon your hands. We're doing what he told us, so forgive us. But they threw him overboard. And they threw him overboard, and immediately he began to sink. Look what it says in Jonah 2, 5, and 6. This is Jonah's words. I I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head and I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. But look at this. But you, O God, my Lord, snatched me from the jaws of death. Jonah felt like he was running from God. Jonah felt like he had blown his assignment with God. But the grace of God still found him in the bottom of the sea, in the bottom of his sinking time, when it seems like he was drowning and over his head, God's grace still found him there. Even though he was doing the opposite of what God asked him to do, God's grace still found him there. Even though he was being disobedient, God's grace found him there. Even though he had been thrown overboard, God's grace found him there. God's grace found it. You may feel like your mistakes are forever, but there's only one thing that's forever, and that's God's grace. God's amazing grace in our life. Your mistakes are not final. Your mistakes are not forever. God's amazing grace shows up when you're sinking in your life, and he wants to resurrect you. Amen? Three ways God's grace gives us hope. I want to give it to you today. Number one, write this down. Grace rescues you. Grace rescues you. I remember when my children were were small, and we had a lot of glass broken around my house. I'm not just talking about dishes. I'm talking about windows, the expensive glass. I remember one time I was on a a trip out of town, and and my daughter, my oldest daughter, calls me. Dad, I'm sorry. Like, what's wrong? What's wrong? (laughs) She's so nervous to tell me. I broke the black, the back glass out of your window of your car. I broke it. I broke it. I broke it. I'm no longer worthy to be called your daughter, Dad. Oh, just let me move out of the house. Honey, settle down. It's going to be okay. See, you're going to call. See, you're going to take it. I'll call and arrange it. It's okay. Take it there. They'll repair it tomorrow. It's okay. I remember we had a, a light out in the front of our yard. And it's one of those decorative light posts, you know, that you turn the light on, it lights up your driveway and lights up your yard. It's got brick around it. 
it was one of the things we liked about the house when we first bought it. And, and I remember we moved in and it had broken and had glass broken out of it and wasn't working right. So after, you know, a long time of living that way, I finally invested in a nice new one, had a guy come over, install it, put it in. This is a true story. Install it, put it in. That afternoon, you guessed it. My kids are out there playing catch and I opened the door and I said, listen, you guys take that ball to the backyard because I do not want any of you breaking our new light. Okay, dad, just one more pass. And my bright football playing son at Missouri State University who's on scholarship to play football decides it was the wise thing to throw the longest, hardest pass he could at his eight-year-old sister who had been eating butter popcorn or something because it went right through our hands and shattered the glass right out of our brand new light. And I remember I was upset. But then I remember something else. I remember when I was a kid and I threw a rock through the principal's window. Yeah, that was me. I remember when I was a kid, I put a football through my home window. I remember kicking a ball on recess through a classroom window. And I was like, okay. I've broken a lot of glass in my life and I wish I'd have gotten a lot more grace. So I showed my kids a lot of grace. Why? Because I've been there, experienced it. And so it was easy for me to give them grace because I received a lot of grace in my life growing up. Anybody want to understand it and testify to that? And so I could easily give it away because I remembered how much grace it took to raise me. Jonah's life was like going downhill. As soon as he starts running from God, his life starts spiraling out of control. Look at this statement. Your, your life will continue to go down when you try to run from God. I don't care who you are, when you think you're running from God, your life will continue to spiral downward. You'll find yourself going down. Jonah had to run. He got on a ship going the opposite way. He's going down, hiding down below. Then he gets thrown overboard, sinking down below. Then he gets swallowed by the big fish, down below. I mean, his life continues to make the one decision to run from God. All of a sudden, his life's out of control. He's facing the biggest storm of his life. He's in a tremendous mess in his life. When you run from God, your life will continue to spiral out of control because God will do what it takes to get your attention. God will get you to a place where you have no other way to turn around except to him. God will get you to a place of your knees when you can only look up and say, God, get me out of this mess. God, only you can take me out of this mess I'm in. Have you ever been there? I've been there. Anybody else say amen? God will continue. Listen, don't, don't run from the Lord. You, can't, you cannot run God. Some of you are running today. You've been running from God. You've been running from your calling a long time, and you'll never find happiness. You'll never find fulfillment, and your life will continue to be one spiral down after another until you learn to acknowledge and put your heart back to God in your calling. God has a calling on your life. And so he, what has happens here? He gets thrown overboard. The Bible says that God prepared a big fish to come and swallow Jonah. Now, some, some people call it the well. We don't know if it was a well. We don't know if it was just a giant fish. But either way, God prepared a really 
giant fish or well to swallow him whole. And one big scoop, scoop boom, takes him up. He's like, mmm, I like white meat. All right, there we go. He takes him down. And he takes him down to the, the, the bottom of the ocean, it says. And there, it's not bad enough that he got swallowed up, and now he's still alive. He's still, can you imagine waking up in the belly of a whale or fish? And be like, dude, how did I get here? Yesterday, everything was great. God's calling me. God's said, go to Nineveh. And today, I'm thrown overboard in the biggest storm of my life, swallowed up by this fish. And now I'm alive in the belly of a fish only to rot here. I mean, think about the miserable situation he's in. But let me give you some things here today to let you know that I'm sure that it didn't seem like there was a lot of hope for Jonah's life. I'm sure he wasn't thinking there was a lot of hope left. But God always does his best work when it seems like we're at a worst in our life. God always does his best work when it seems like things are hopeless. God always does his work when things seem like they're dead and have no resurrection. But God can breathe life into any dead situation and resurrect hope again, resurrect life again. God can bring passion again. God can bring calling again. God can restore marriages again. God can restore children again. God can restore finances again. God can restore your home again. God can restore your job again. I'm telling you, God works best in extreme moments. You cannot fail so hard that God cannot rescue you. You can't run from God so far that his grace cannot find you and rescue you. It's never too late for grace in your life. If you're alive today, It's never too late to experience God's grace in your life. And number two, God's grace restores you. God's grace restores you. The Bible says that Jonah spends three days, three nights in the belly of the well. Jonah repents to God for being disobedient. And then once he repents, God causes the fish to go to shore and to spit him up. That's about the nicest way I can tell you. But he allowed them to get spit back up on on shore. And let's pick it up after this happens. Look what God says in Jonah 3, 1 through 2. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah. How many times? Come on, let's say it. And then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. All right, God spoke to him. I got an assignment for you. Go to Nineveh. Tell them that I'm going to bring punishment for their wicked ways. Jonah says no. He runs from God, gets thrown overboard, gets swallowed up by the fish. The fish spits him out. And then God says, all right. I'm sure he didn't smell really good about now. How many want to imagine that, okay? I don't know if you ever cleaned the fish, smelt the inside of a fish. He spent three days there inside the fish. Not only that, he gets regurgitated out on the shore of the fish. His life is a mess, and then God comes to him a second time. Jonah, get up. Go do your assignment. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. See, God's grace shows up again and restores him and says, go tell someone what I told you to tell them. 
Somebody today needs to hear this word. Somebody today needs to get this in your spirit. You feel like you've blown it. You feel like you've done too many bad things in your life. You've missed your chance. You've missed your call. But I'm here to tell you, you are not that powerful. That God's still got a call upon your life. God's still got a calling on your life. God's still got an assignment on your life. God's still got an anointing on your life. God's still got a message for you to share. He wants you to share your testimony. He wants you to share your assignment. He wants you to do what he's asked you to do. God wants to restore your calling today. God wants to restore your calling. Some of you have been running from your calling for a long time. God's called me to work with children. He's calling you back today. God's called me to do this. God's called me to serve. God's called me to, to do things. I need to get back to doing it. God's called me to, to do more outreach. God's called me to start a Bible study. God's called me to open up my home. God's called me to have lunch with people on my lunch break and tell them about the goodness of the Lord. God's called me. It's time for me to get back to it. God's restoring your calling. Grace means God's not done with you yet. So Jonah goes to Nineveh and tells them, hey, God's going to destroy this city. What a powerful message. What a great message. I mean, it was short and simple. Hey guys, God's going to destroy this city. God's going to destroy this city. God uses this weak message. They repent and they change how? The Bible says Jonah tells them this. The leaders hear it, and they said, you know what? We got to change. You're right. We, we need to change. And they, they call forth for a time of repentance. They call for people to turn their face back to God. They prayed. They fasted like we're in the middle of doing right now. They prayed. They fasted. They turned their face back to God. And God spared their city. How, though? That's what I want to know. How did God use Jonah? Jonah really didn't want to be there. He was there really in a half rebellious heart. Finally, he's obedient. He didn't think they deserved to be saved. And he gives out this message. Hey, God's going to destroy the city. And he turned, the whole city turns. How is that possible? Because I believe that God had already gone ahead of Jonah and God had already begun to speak to the hearts of the leaders of the city. God had already begun to convict. And when Jonah showed up as his mouthpiece and said, God's going to destroy the city, they're like, you're right. We know it. We feel it. We understand it. You're right. Let's turn back to God. And the whole city turns back to God. If God uses a person like Jonah with a message like that, he uses a person who's stinking, who's ran from God, who's failed God, who's got some major prejudice he's working through in his life. If God uses his message that wasn't very good, I mean, we could, we could all come up with a much better message than that. But God uses that message to reach a whole city to turn them around. What could God do through your life? What could God do through your testimony? What could God do if you were obedient? Uh, I don't know what to say. Jonah speaks four or five words. The whole city. See, four or five words when they come from the heart of God can pierce through anything that God's wanted to do. I'm telling you today, God wants to use you. God wants to restore your calling. God wants to restore grace in your life. God wants you to give it away to somebody. If God uses a person like that, what could he do with a person like you?
See, God's grace restores us. It rescues us. And then number three, God's grace releases you to be a rescuer. God's grace releases you to be a rescuer. Let's pick it back up now in verses two and three of Jonah chapter four. Jonah, I mean, Jonah's mad because God saved him. And we see it coming out right here. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God. You were slow to get angry and feel with unfailing love. He's mad because God saved Nineveh. I mean, what kind of heathen is this guy? What kind of prophet is this? He's got some major blunders in his life. He's got some major issues in his life. Jonah's mad because he didn't think Nineveh deserved God's grace. He thought they worshiped different than I. They lived a different life than I. And so they were so unworthy of God's grace, they didn't deserve it. They acted different than him. They didn't worship like him. He didn't think that Nineveh deserved God's grace. I wonder how many of us, if we can really be honest, that if we're not careful, as Christians, okay, as Christians, I ask you if you're prejudiced, say, no, I'm not prejudiced. But is there people you think are beyond God's grace? Is there people you think don't deserve God's goodness and grace? You've given up on them already. You've turned them over already and said, I'm not going to pray for them. They got everything that's coming to them. They don't worship right. They don't do this right. They're doing this and this. Listen, God wants to turn your heart for every person that's lost. God wants you to have compassion on everyone, not just people who look like you, who worship like you, who vote like you, who talk like you. God expects us to have compassion on everyone. The same grace that he showed you, he wants you to show somebody else. My life was a wretch. My life was broken. I was running, and God saved me. God wants to see. Jonah thought that they were not worthy to be saved. He had let his spiritual prejudice come in. And I'm afraid if we're not careful, we listen to too much social media. We listen to too much talk radio. And they're turning our hearts as Christians away from certain people, groups who really need Jesus. And they're never going to change their life hearing you preach how bad they are on social media. They're only going to change when you show them God's love. Only way. You need to fast and pray that God would break the yoke of bondage in their life. That's what you need to do. Quit giving up on people that God died for. This is who God's called us to reach. And look what God's response was in Jonah 4, 11. This is what God told Jonah. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. How many are glad that all dogs go to heaven? See, I, I, there. God even said, what? let's don't even talk about the, having compassion about the animals. Look what he says. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And look what he says. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. That's what, that's what Jonah said to God. God, you're eager to turn back from destroying people. He goes, just kill me now. Lord, I'd rather be dead than alive 
if what I predicted will not happen? And then God just kind of leaves them with that question. See, Jonah has some, has some major spiritual prejudice. He's like, I'd rather die than for you to save Nineveh. I wonder how many of us are in that, that boat. I'd rather die than see God save these people. They don't, they don't deserve it. They're wicked. They're doing this, doing that. If we're not careful, we can fall right into that. But look what God says. My heart is this, Jonah. My heart is that there's 120,000 people who need me. That 120,000 really stuck out to me in the story because if you study about the geographics of our area right here, this four-state area especially, they say 120,000 people come to this area every day to shop, to go out to eat, to buy things. All the surrounding communities, there's about 120,000 people to make up this little community around here. And God says, do you not realize I, I care about all 120,000? I care about them all. Johnny, God says, I care about all 120,000 people. Madonna, he says, God, says, I care about all 120,000 people. God says, I care about them all, all of them. That's why he's raising us up for such a time as this. Will we judge who God can save or who he thinks deserves his grace? God forgive us for falling into that trap. If we're not careful, we can judge who God can save. They're, no, they're, they're beyond help. No, we, our job is just to simply, I've received grace, I've got to give it away. The same grace God has showed you, look at this, the same grace God has showed you, he wants to show to everyone. Everyone. The same grace that came, that same amazing grace that came into your life when you ran from God, when you did things that nobody else in this room knew about, God's amazing grace still came and rescued you. And he wants you to extend that same grace and to show that same grace to everybody else. Do you not realize he desires for all 120,000 people in this area to know him? And they will not know him if we do not lift him up. They will not know him if I don't show his love. They will not know him if I do not give his grace away. For such a time as this, he rescued you to be a rescuer. This is why God rescued your life, so that you in return can turn around and help rescue other people by the power of God's grace. Who's your one? Remember me asking that question the first sermon of this month. I asked you, who's the one person this year that you can invite into your life? Who's the one person this year you say, I'm going to try to make a difference in their life? Is God raising you up for such a time as this? Who's your one? Who can you show grace to? Who can you show God's love to? I want to remind you that coming up on Super Bowl Sunday, this will be our third annual one-day giving to help feed hungry children with Convoy of Hope. And I believe there's nothing better that we do all year long than what we do on this Sunday. Last year, we, we raised money and helped 
feed over 100,000 meals. Most of those went, about 80,000 went to Convoy of Hope to help feed starving children around the world who are signing up for the food programs, they're feeding them, and then they're going to school and getting the education. They're not having to go there hungry. But many of these kids, from most of all these kids, this is the only meal they get all day, is what you give and what we're help providing. It's saving their life. It's allowing them to go to school and get an education that they can retain what they're hearing and grow and get themselves out of poverty. Many kids have gone through the program now and now they're sponsoring. They're giving back. They're getting jobs and they're giving back and they're sponsoring kids who are just like them. We're pulling kids out of poverty together. We're helping farmers learn how to plant things in their soil types and their land and how they can grow things and how they can teach others to grow things in their it's just not feeding them, but we're doing so, so much more. And we, every day on Super Bowl Sunday, the last, this will be the third year, we've asked everybody to give up one day's wages. One time a year to give up one day's wages to help feed the hungry kids. And you guys have always responded well. And I know you responded well this Super Bowl Sunday as well. But could it be Destiny Church? God's raising you up right now for such a time as this. God's raising us up, but he knew that there was 80,000 meals that needed to go to some hungry kids. And he's raising us up to be his hands and feet to these children. Many will we'll never, we'll never meet these kids until we get to heaven. But I want you to know that we're going to be God's hands and feet. And I want you to begin to pray about that. We'll talk more about that over the next few weeks, building up the Super Bowl Sunday. But how many are excited that we're going to make Super Bowl Sunday something really super and to be excited about? I, I want you to bow your heads. If you're here today, say, Pastor, I've been running from God for a long time. I've been running from him. I know, I got, I know I've been running from him. And today I just want to come back and just simply say I'm ready just to renew my relationship with God. It's time for me to quit running. Or maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ ever. And today's your day to make him Lord of your life. We won't do anything to single you out. We're not going to do anything to embarrass you, I promise you, without anybody looking but me. If that's you, if you're ready to either renew your relationship back, you're tired of running, or you're ready for the first time, just raise your hand today so I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I see those hands, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. So what we're going to do, we're going to say a prayer. If you raise your hand, I want you to say it out loud with me. As Christians around you, we'll help you along as well. If you're listening online, repeat this prayer. If you raised your hand, you're ready to come back to Jesus or to give your heart to Jesus. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you and I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, say welcome to the family of God. Come on, give my hand clap, yeah.